Welcome back to another episode of the Sex Mancers Podcast. On this episode, I do an interview with Cam Frazier. He is a sex coach, certified sexologist, and counselor in Western Australia. He's built his business around male sex coaching and specializes in self-love, sexual health, well-being, and the expansion of pleasure. In this episode, we cover several topics of issues that have to deal with things that affect the male's libido, sex drive, and performance, and what can be done to improve all of those. So, let's get into the interview, but first, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor. All right, uh, so we'll go ahead and um, have you introduce yourself. I know um, in most interviews, it's probably the host that introduced uh, the guest, but I figure you're better at introducing yourself and explaining what you do better than I can. So go ahead. <laughs> no worries. Well, um, thanks for having me on. My name is Cam Fraser. I'm a uh, certified professional sex coach, a certified sexologist and a registered tantric yoga teacher. Um, my um, area of passion and area of interest is like men's sexuality and pleasure. Obviously my experiences as a, uh, as a, as a man, as a heterosexual kind of Caucasian cisgender guy. So my, um, my field of work and field of expertise is as a guy. And um, I like to, yeah, try and offer a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of wisdom to, um, yeah, to other guys who are maybe going through some things that uh, have some questions around their sexuality and um, sexual expression and sexual experience. So I offer workshops and courses and online work. Um, and yeah, it's been a um, it's been a bit of a journey to get here, but um, I'm really enjoying what I do. Okay, and for those uh, who are not necessarily aware, what is a sexologist? So a sexologist uh, can mean a couple of different things. The, the typical uh, definition of a sexologist is someone who has training in either counseling or therapy or social work or some other type of um, humanities uh, degree and has coupled that with a study of human sexuality. So, um, so a typical sexologist could be either someone who works as a therapist and specializes in um, sexual dysfunctions and or marriage and family issues, um, or it could be a sex researcher, someone who conducts research into um, like STIs and other types of viruses or public health concerns. Um, so in the case of me, uh, I have a counseling and psychology background, and I've coupled that with a studies in human sexuality to um to act as a act as a therapist or as a coach okay okay so is a coach and a sexologist uh interchangeable or is there a difference between the two because i noticed you use um, both yeah so there is a bit of a difference between the two a sexologist in terms of working with clients is a bit more of a therapist um whereas a sex coach as opposed to a therapist is a little bit different. And the difference between those two really comes down to um, approach and comes down to length of time that you work with a client. So a sexologist or a sex therapist, um, as any psychologist or any um, therapist will kind of tell you, it tends to be um, maybe a bit more past oriented, maybe working towards 
overcoming things that have happened in the past, um, working on um, working on setting up, I guess, a framework for handling those things and and processing them essentially. Um, and it tends to be a bit more longer term. The coach approach, on the other hand, is a bit more shorter term and involves uh, is a bit more goal oriented, I suppose. So it involves like strategies and developing skills and techniques to um, to progress forward and to achieve things um, in the relatively near future. Okay. And um, now you're located in Australia. Um, and is there an actual uh, degree or certification? Or is it just anybody can call themselves a uh, coach? Because here in the States... Um, there really isn't a certification process for a coach. Anybody can just go, oh, I'm a coach of this, that, and the other thing. You know, so I was wondering if it was different there in Australia or if it's just anybody can decide they want to be a coach. And secondly, is there a degree program on the sexologist as well? Or is that also anybody can just say that? You know, because I'm trying to get this nailed down since, mm. you know, there's too many people that, can, you know, uh, can go online, go on Fiverr and all that. And so I'm wanting to see, you know, what the difference between here in the States and there in Australia as far as, you know, certifications. Sure, sure. I think it's quite similar. The um, the the title sexologist is not protected here in Australia. So technically you can call yourself a sexologist, um, whatever your background is. The, the bit where you'll get into trouble then is if you start looking for insurance to cover your practice, no one will insure you if you're not registered with a professional body. So there are professional bodies. Um, and although the title isn't protected, you'll be hard pressed to find someone to insure you or a company to actually employ you if you've got no credentials. Um, and so this is similar to coach. The term coach isn't necessarily protected, um, but um, but there's professional bodies and certifications that you can get, which will then allow you to get insurance to practice as a coach. Um, there's a degree here in Western Australia, actually, through Curtin University called a master's degree of sexology, which is what... Um, which is what a lot of people will, will do to get their certification in sexology. There's also um, plenty of other um, online coaching and specific sex coaching certifications and sexology certifications. There's also the American College of Sexologists who you can be um, registered with. Uh, there's also the World Association of Sex Coaches, which you can be registered with um, and all these kind of lend credence to the professionalism of the practice um, and your credentials and qualifications as a practitioner. So all those, all those bodies I have my, um, my membership with and, um, and I'm insured and, and have a, have a fully, you know, qualified practice. And I think this is, um, this is really important because it also allows you to, um, you know, these professional bodies have ethical guidelines, right. And they have standards to uphold. And so if you're a member of these bodies, you have to follow these guidelines and follow these standards of practice. And I, I resonate with what you said, man, because there's a lot of people out there that I feel aren't registering with the professional body yet, just kind of calling themselves coaches or calling themselves um, whatever therapists um, or just using some type of language that isn't protected necessarily. And, um, 
and working with clients one-on-one and a few people have called this like the Humpty Dumpty effect. They've like cracked open their clients and allowed all this kind of stuff to come out in, in a session, but then they haven't been able to help put their client back together again. They don't have the tools or the, or the, um, the know-how or the training to be able to put their clients back together. Um, and so I think this is really important that you know, ethics and standards are upheld by, by people registering and being members with, you know, organizations and professional bodies. So hopefully that answered your question. Yes. And I want to be clear uh, for the audience here. Um, I don't uh, call myself a coach and I'm not a sexologist. You know, I'm a, I'm a guy with a microphone and a podcast. You know, um, and my approach is that I'm just giving advice based off of my own experience. And my advice is geared towards women because I know more about what men want uh, than what women want. And if I knew what women wanted, I would be a billionaire, you know, but (laughs) um, but in any event, you know, so I'm just giving my own personal opinions and advice you know, and I will, you know, do uh, one-on-one if somebody wanted to, but I just want to mm-hmm. make it clear just in case anybody, you know, got the wrong impression that I'm not out there saying that I'm a coach or a sexologist or anything. I'm just giving my own personal advice. In fact, if you listen to my podcast, you would notice a lot of it is me recounting kind of some personal stories as well, you know, mm-hmm. over, you know, how me and my wife got into trying this and what our thoughts and how we got over, you know, some of our inhibitions and uh, that type of thing are, you know, the things that my wife has done that's worked on me, you know, when, you know, she wants me to be able to, you know, focus more on her, you know, Mm -hmm. versus, you know, when you're, you know, going off and doing some blogs and podcasts and videos and all of that, that can be time consuming. So that's uh, where I wanted to make sure that there's an understanding that whereas I'm more of, you know, just personal opinion, you're more of a professional. Yeah, and I think that's a great distinction to make, man. So, um, yeah, good on you for being upfront and clear about that. Okay. Now let's start getting in and talking a little bit more um, about your client base. You know, I mean, you don't need to give out any personal information, of course. But, I mean, what is your typical client and kind of the process that you go through with them? Sure. So I I work predominantly with men. Um, I kind of made that decision to work with men um, rather than just work with with everyone um, because of the – because I wanted to specialize and and become a bit more of a niche – niche coach. Um, so the typical guy that I'll work with will generally have, I mean, there's generally a, a mentality that they're missing out on something or that there's something a bit more to be had with regards to their sex life, with regards to their sexual experience, with regards to their connection with their partners, whether their partner is a man or a woman or, um, or someone else. The, they, they feel like they're only scratching the surface. I feel like there's more depth to be had. So there's like this mindset and that's the reason why they kind of reached out. And the catalyst for them reaching out is usually something that's, they've, they've got a concern that's physical. So there's something that's happened physically. Maybe it's a, 
erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation or they're having some type of sexual concern. So it's, there's a physical manifestation. I find this a lot with guys um, that I work with that it isn't until something something happens physically or they've got a concern that's a physical concern that they enter uh, into a into a sex coaching um, kind of practice or they or they seek help. Uh, it has to be something physical. It has to manifest physically. Um, rather than just being a, a mental, emotional kind of concern of theirs. So that's the typical typical guy that I'll work with. Um, and the process is really, uh, it's. I mean, I, I try and work within a three-month frame. Um, and this is because uh, it allows us to jump straight into, straight into skills and exercises and practices um, for these men to practice so that they can develop uh, and and overcome these concerns that they're they're kind of having and so uh, a typical kind of session would start off um, with like a pre intake form like a pre interview uh, which has a series of questions that I ask with regards to sexual scripts and narratives and these stories that uh, that these men have around their sexuality and sexual experience uh, as well as some like a bit of a bit of an inventory like a sexual history inventory. Um, some things that they've maybe experienced throughout their life and maybe contributing to the concerns that they're having now. Um, and then we kind of jump straight into setting up um, setting up goals, goals based on values. So we try and elicit some values. Maybe some guys have never actually thought about that before. Um, so we try and determine what their value set is, what they're um, what they what they align with essentially. And then we set up a couple of goals and then we start working towards achieving those goals. So um, the framework that I that I use when working with a client um, is something that I've essentially developed or kind of collated myself, which is um, what I like to call the um, the like sexual, uh, the sacred sexuality model. And this is this idea that we've got like three different relationships, and and these three relationships really govern everything that we do in our life. There's a relationship that we have with ourselves. There's the relationship that we have with our community or our um or something that's greater than ourself so for a lot of people um that are religious that that relationship was with with god or with um with some type of deity or for the new age movement it's the relationship with you know consciousness or spirit or or the planet even but it's something that's you know greater than you and then there's the relationship that you have with another person um so with the other so um we try and address each one of those three relationships within the, the framework of coaching. So we try and build on them, strengthen them, uh, give practices and um, activities to try and um, to try and elicit experiences within those three relationships. And then um, and then we target the specific concern that the guy has, um, and we yeah we work towards overcoming that. And within three months, you know, the idea is that if that guy within you know, within three months, um, hasn't uh, hasn't developed the tools and the skills to overcome the concerns that he has, and he has to keep on coming back to see me, and and is and is almost dependent or, or reliant upon me as a, a therapist or as a coach even um, to keep on overcoming his concerns. Then I haven't necessarily done my job as a coach, right? I would have to um, I'd have to refer them on to someone who's a therapist or a counselor, or someone who works in that capacity. Um, so that person feels comfortable going back and seeing them and seeing them and seeing them. Um, because really the idea, at least as a, um, that I have as a coach or as a, as a person who offers some type of healing service, 
the idea is for that person, that client to come and see me, to only have to see me for a certain amount of time. They shouldn't have to keep on coming back and seeing me and seeing me and seeing me and be dependent upon me for their, for their healing, for their own growth. Um, because then I haven't really necessarily done my job. That person's become reliant on me for their, um, for their own journey. So I try and work within that free, that three month frame, um, and give all the tools necessary so that then after that three months, that client, that guy has the tools necessary to go on and, and explore and journey on his own. Okay. Now you unpacked uh, quite a bit there. And so there's a <laughs> couple of things that I wanted to follow up on. <clears throat> All right. Sure. So the first one, um, when they come to you because there's a problem and your experience mm. is that problem, uh, generally more of a mental or emotional problem, or is it an actual physical health related problem? It's a very, very uh, subjective and it's very, very individualized and personalized to the case. So um, there'll be some guys that come and see me for uh, erectile dysfunction, for example, and um, it'll be purely or majority uh, physical. So they'll be, it'll be because of their diet or it'll be because of their, um, because of their health or their lifestyle it would be something definitely definitely physically oriented um but then there'll be other guys that come and see me for the exact same thing erectile dysfunction but it'll be due to anxiety or due to due to um some type of some type of mental or emotional distress um so and and then most of the time it's a combination of the two so um it's very hard to say that it's all this and or all that and and we kind of split it into two groups i think it's more um most of the guys that come and see me have this kind of combination of the two and i think this is where it's really important to start start working um i think in in western medicine we've got a real um a propensity to to separate those two and say okay this person's only got a mental emotional problem that they need talk therapy with or this person's only got a physical medical condition that they need medical intervention with um so we have this like this split this cartesian split um that i think is um needed to be needed to be bridged and needed, needed to be connected a bit more um and starting to realize that mental emotional issues really manifest if physical issues and physical issues can really start to cause distress in our mental and emotional bodies so um so yeah to answer your question it's always a bit of both it's never it's never actually one or the other okay okay now, um, for my audience, which I generally uh, direct more towards advice for women. All right. So let's mm. say, you know, guy comes to you, you know, erectile dysfunction. And it is a bit of a combination between the two. Uh, do you uh, speak uh, also in your sessions uh, with your clients to their spouse as far as, being able to communicate what the spouse can do to help them uh, or help their, you know, husbands or boyfriends, you know, uh, whatever, um, as far as, you know, what diets they should eat, what exercise regimes they should be on or what they can do to help them emotionally, or is it just strictly with the client themselves and not their partner? I um, have done couple sessions before and I, um, I have tended now to only work with the like solo with the, the individual with the client. Um, but what I do is I send 
information to them. I send videos to them. I'll send um, activity packages to them. And I encourage them to let their let their spouse, let their partner know what it is that they're doing and, and the stuff that they've been given to do. So I give them a lot of homework and I encourage them to participate in that homework with their partner and with their, with their beloved. So, um, so yeah, although I did talk to them directly, I've now essentially made it a bit more indirect, um, which, um, which is kind of, uh, I, I feel more comfortable doing that and I feel more comfortable putting the, um, having the responsibility be with the, with the individual, with the client. Um, again, this is the idea of coaching as opposed to therapy. You, you coach your, your client, your individual, um, and the responsibility is on them. Um, and then there's like this mutual exchange of responsibility. So, um, yeah, but I try and, uh, I try and enlist the support and the help of a partner wherever possible. Okay. And I bring that up because uh, at least in financial terms, um, if you listen to somebody like Dave Ramsey, uh, they go on and they're constantly talking about accountability partners. And so I was uh, wanting to take a look at that, you know, where I know as you're an accountability partner for as long as they're your client, but in the time that they're not with you. So let's say, you know, a guy is having, you know, erectile dysfunction and let's say, you know, it's a, maybe a combination or whether it's, you know, purely psychological or purely, you know, health related, you know, even if the guy is not going uh, to you, what are some of the things that his, you know, uh, partner uh, can do, um, whether or not he communicates it uh, to her? Because I'm sure, you know, the partner's always going to know whether he's having problems in the bedroom. Uh, that would be uh, pretty hard to hide. So if she uh, or he, you know, whoever their partner is, um, starts noticing problems in the bedroom, what are some steps that they would be able to take uh, as far as dietary change or attending to the psychological needs? Um, and more importantly, how to get him to open up to that, uh, to that the conversation with her? Well, the... I will take the example of erectile dysfunction. That's a really, um, obviously a really common example. Something that um, we can start to do physically in terms of our diet, for example, is making sure that we're, um, or making sure that your partner, whoever it is, is eating um, like essentially dark leafy green vegetables, um, beetroot, things like this to increase stuff like nitric oxide in the blood, um, which is you know, which is uh, beneficial for circulation, which means that it will um, pump more blood into um, into the penis and make sure that it's um, able to become erect fully. The, um, the other thing then to look at is like whether they're, um, whether they're holding a lot of tension, a lot of tension in the pelvic floor, a lot of tension in the back. So if they're quite stagnant all day or if they're, um, if they're having mobility issues, then this tension that can build up around the lower part of the body can also um, hinder the ability for blood flow into the um, into the penis. So these are kind of like physical physical things that we can start to do um, with regards to maybe emotional or mental um, concerns. And I guess with regards to trying to help your partner open up about these things, um, a lot of guys are very reluctant to have these types of conversations. Um, and so a, and so a way that I've, um, that I've spoken to, uh, partners about with regards to getting their, the man in their relationship, um, 
uh, the man that's having these concerns to open up about this is by framing it in regards to in regards to their pleasure. So um, in a in a kind of healthy, strong relationship where there's um, compassion and and concern for a partner, generally that partner um, will take a heterosexual couple as an example. Um, generally, the man is going to be concerned about the the woman's experience of pleasure or the woman's experience of sex with him. Um, and so something that I will say to the partner in this case, to the woman in that relationship is frame it as if it's, it's your pleasure that you're, you're concerned about. So you say, look, look, I'm, I'm, uh, but it, make, make sure it's positive as well. So you say, look, I'm, you know, we have an amazing sex life or maybe we don't, we used to have an amazing sex life or, or you're enjoying the little sex that you have at the moment, but you would like to have more sex or you, you, know, you think there's more to be had, you think there's more pleasure to be had both for me and also for you. Um, and I just wanted to you know, have a chat about how we can, how we can experience more pleasure and, and how we can have a, a better time in the bedroom and, and how we can do, things maybe a little bit differently or how we can work towards um, you know, having sex for longer or, or whatever it is, but framing it, um, framing it as something that um, that is pleasurable and framing it as something that is positive as well, rather than, rather than saying you've got an issue, you know, we need to talk about this issue and, and, and almost making it uh, a negative uh, conversation. So, um, and this is like a, this is a communication strategies, I suppose is, is another big thing with regards to working with these topics um, is a way that we can, is a way that we can have the conversations without bruising someone's ego. Um, so a lot of men, their, their ego and their sense of identity, their sense of masculinity is tied to their performance in the bedroom and their experience of sexuality with another person. So um, it's really important when you're having these conversations to frame it in a way that doesn't feel like it's an attack against their identity and attack against their masculinity. So um, yeah, positive framed pleasure, positive conversations, I think is, is a, something that I would encourage the partner um, to be doing. Okay. And uh, two follow-up questions with that. You know, so if a guy is having um, erectile dysfunction, again, we keep using this as an example because it's usually the first sign of a problem. You know, mm -hmm. uh, now would uh, now we know exercise, you know, is very good. You know, it relieves uh, stress, but it also is good for the health uh, of the person as well. And so would. Uh, you know, the partner going on and trying to increase the amount of sex in order to try and get him uh, more exercise. Uh, here in the States, uh, we might have, uh, uh, years ago, we might have called it uh, sexercise. You know, mm. <laughs> you know uh, something that uh, I guess that was maybe more me and my friends as teenagers who used to, you know, <laughs> you know, call it that, you know, sexercise. You know, but, and then the different positions, you know, working different muscles and all that. So if it's a health related issue, if the woman mm. becomes more sexually, you know, more aggressive or, you know, brings up wanting to have sex more, would the increased amount of activity generally, you know, provide the same benefits in the bedroom as maybe going for a run or for a walk? And she just has to kind of deal with the initial upfront that he may not be able to uh, to perform well. And then yeah, yeah, the um, 
I'll um I'll speak to that a little bit. The um like one of the depending on the age of the guy, for example, the the fact that erectile dysfunction is happening could be a sign of cardiovascular um, risk. So that's um so like you mentioned as well, a, a sign of kind of poor physical health is erectile dysfunction. So um, it's very linked to our heart specifically. So this could be um, this could be an issue that maybe needs to be looked at and um, and maybe starting off with gentle walks or gentle exercises is needed depending on the the guy's kind of physical condition to start with um but sex is definitely um sex is definitely an important factor in in um physical health as well not only because of the like the the anaerobic exercise of the actual activity of sex but also because of all the other things that are released in our body chemically, both for, you know, for both partners. Um, so stuff like oxytocin and dopamine and all these other things that, you know, endorphins that allow our body to kind of have its recovery and, 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 and improve its health um, sort of hormonally. The, um, the other benefit with, um, with openness to sex and, and, and openness about the act itself um, with regards to positions, I suppose you briefly mentioned positions is that there are some positions that are more conducive for maintaining, getting and maintaining an erection than aren't. Um, so for example, um, and some men that even don't have difficulties getting an erection might experience this. Um, it's just purely because of gravity. It's more difficult for a man to get an erection when he's lying down on his back than it is for when he's maybe standing up and in um or on his knees or something like that so there's definitely a lot of value in experimenting and exploring different positions um with regards to having sex with your partner and this is not only for the anaerobic kind of benefits of it but also for the um for the pleasurable benefits of it noticing how you experience pleasure in these different positions both you and your partner but also um you know, playing around with the um, with the amount of blood flow that you get to the lower half of your body, to your hips and your pelvis. So, um, yeah, there's a whole myriad of effects that um, like a really healthy sex life and, and that, I guess, in terms of like frequency and, and in terms of connection, um, not necessarily in terms of performance. Um, but, yeah, I, I would I would be wary of suggesting to a partner to engage more sexually with their partner if if they're not comfortable doing that so like if they're if they're like if they feel like they're forcing themselves to be sexual with their partner um because it's kind of what they need to do and they think that you know being sexual more is going to be beneficial um i'd be wary of suggesting that just because uh just because of the mindset um so if you're if you're doing it because you know you you think the more you do it, it's going to be, you know, the more benefit it's going to have, but you're not passionate and enthusiastic about doing that. Um, it's just kind of that you, something that you begrudgingly are doing. Um, then you might be, might be at the risk of, of doing more damage than, than, um, than benefit. So, um, yeah, my suggestion would be. And that's in a, uh, health related issue. Uh, that you're uh, stating that in, of course, you know, see a doctor first, you know, if it's a mm. cardiovascular disease. Uh, but, you know, one of the uh, premises uh, of my show is, and of course, my show is more directed towards women who are not in bad relationships, but they're in more stale relationships. 
you know, you've been together for a while, everything's gotten routine, and it's about kind of reigniting that passion. You know, and I always go off uh, with the premise of starting with sex uh, towards um, improving the, the relationship because, uh, one, you know, it puts everybody in a much happier mood, you know, so you're more willing to go off and do the other things, you know, that you may not, you know, typically enjoy, but maybe you want to do just because you love uh, your partner, right? Two, you know, if you're only having sex about once a week, you know, or maybe let's change that up to maybe like twice a month, you know, in, increasing the amount of sex changes the routine, you know, and you know, us guys, we're very much into our routines. And so I, I kind of take that as a way to get him to willingly, you know, uh, you know, change his routine from, you know, coming home, watching TV to coming home, spending time with the spouse. Plus, you know, sex creates more bonding uh, between the two, especially, you know, uh, with women and guys, how they, you know, connect more through physical activities. And the idea, uh, you know, of the show, at least, you know, in my premise is that when you start off with sex, you're releasing stress, you're getting into better health, you're, you know, connecting more. And then that leads to, you know, more communication outside of the bedroom. Of course, outside of the bedroom, I would start communicating through, you know, like the uh, budget because how you operate your uh, personal finances tells a lot about your household priorities. And then you start moving, you know, more and more uh, towards the relationship uh, that you are wanting to have versus, you know, the guy, you know, usually comes home, watches TV, and then, you know, the wife all of a sudden wants to go to the opera. You know, you got to create incremental changes uh, in behavior and disrupt, you know, the normal pattern. You know, so I do start off with sex, but you're talking health-related issue. I'm talking about, you know, going through and, you know, changing behaviors, you know, to get a different result, a little bit of a difference. And, um, you know, I'm not sure, you know, I'm sure there's going to be people who disagree, you know, uh, with that approach, maybe start off with communication, but the premise, uh, is the woman is wanting to make the first, uh, step towards making the change. So I talk about what she can do to start the, uh, initiating the changes versus what he can do. If I was giving advice to men, it would be the com- uh, complete different approach. Mm, mm, definitely. There's, um, there's a lot of value in like, in increasing your, I guess your umbrella for the term sex of what sex can mean. So, um, so instead of, instead of this understanding of sex being, you know, penetration, can you, because for example, going back to the example of, um, of erectile dysfunction, if your, if your partner, if, if, the, if, if your man can't get an erection and he's, you know, and then you're coming to him with regards to wanting to have more sex, but you know, penetration is not on the table because of his 
um, kind of his sexual difficulties, then what else can you do that is sexual or what else can you do that's intimate? What else can you do that, you know, increases that connection, increases that sexual connection. Yep. Um, and I think, yeah, doing more of that is really important for sure. Yeah. I don't uh, limit it uh, to just penetration. There is also oral, uh, there is, um, you know, hand jobs and, you know, uh, that, and then there is touching, uh, the, uh, I guess, you know, increasing sexual activity is not necessarily towards the goal of getting off. It's just the goal of connecting. So you don't need to get off every single time, uh, that you have sex. It's just, you know, uh, bonding kind of like the, uh, like the seven day or 14 day or the 30 day sex challenge. You know, you're not penetrating every single day. You're just engaging in sexual activity uh, with each other. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a better way to describe it. Yeah, definitely, man. That's an amazing, um, amazing insight. Um, and, and being clear on that is, I think, really, really beneficial, man. So, yeah, definitely agree with you. Okay. Now, uh, let's go off and uh, talk a little bit more um, here on uh, solutions, you know, uh, for men. And, we, you know, whether we want to keep it, you know, strictly to uh, examples using erectile dysfunction or, you know, broadening it uh, out a little bit. Um, in Western uh, society, we have this problem where we go to the doctor and they want to prescribe, you know, prescription medication. You know, if you go to the doctor with uh, Viagra, they're going to want to go uh, I and mean, go to the doctor with erectile dysfunction. They're going to want to issue Viagra. And now, you know, Viagra is, you know, with telehealth, you know, being able to just do uh, web conferencing uh, with a the doctor. They're now able to just write a prescription without ever seeing you in person, um, at least mm. here in the States. I don't know how it is uh, over there in Australia. And I guess when it comes down to it, I'm not too opposed uh, to the idea, you know, of Viagra, um, you know, because I know the, you know, the idea of a bone of it being a boner pill is just the side effect and not the main, you know, uh, or the, the main thing that it was supposed to be uh, treated. Uh, but let's get into maybe some more natural remedies and what uh, can be cooked into the food as far as whether you can go to the, uh, here in the States, uh, the, a local GNC store and grab a bunch of supplements or uh, nitric oxide uh, powder or, or something versus, you know, maybe what uh, can be included into the regular diet, you know, cooking at home that may not uh, break the bank, you know, if, you know, how they can get that same health benefits um, and not go broke doing so. Yeah. Well, the, um, the, the effect that, that for example, Viagra has on the male body is that it just floods the floods, the, um, blood with nitric oxide. And it also, um, has a little bit of, um, stimulation on the, the nerves around the genitals. And the, the same thing can be, uh, can be achieved with a, like specific, adding specific things into your diet. So I already mentioned like dark leafy green vegetables, like spinach and kale and silver beet. Um, then also things like beetroot as well. Um, but then, you know, stuff that's just generally good for your, like for male sexual health um, is like vitamin D. So getting out in the sun um, is 
uh, lower back health. So making sure that they're, um, you know, so I, I'm a proponent of yoga, but any type of like stretching is really important. Um, so just getting them to do like five minutes of stretching in the morning when they get out of bed um, to try and loosen up tension in the back. Uh, there's lots of things like ginger, uh, ginseng, ginkgo biloba. If you go to like a supplement store, all these places will have them. Um, there's arginine, things like this. So things that's like you know, your omegas as well, making sure that your circulation is good. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of things you can do to incorporate like a healthy uh, supplement routine into your diet, as well as just eating vegetables, as well as just eating like things that are good for you. Um, because at the end of the day, we just want healthy blood flow. We want relaxed, soft tissues in the body. Um, and we want a strong nervous system. So essentially just taking care of yourself, um, you know, general good, healthy diet and exercise will over a period of time, maybe not you know, overnight, but um, certainly if it's implemented and continued, will improve your sexual health and your sexual function for sure. Okay. And uh, have you noticed, uh, I guess, some of the more scam stuff, you know, things that people claim work, but don't work um, in your uh, profession and your experience? What are maybe the top three uh, as far as whether they're claiming it to be supplements, diets, miracles, you know, uh, that you don't need a prescription for and it doesn't actually work, but people, I don't know get the belief that it works yeah the um i won't name names but there's a lot of um there's a lot of like over the counter you go to the pharmacy and you go to the the male performance section of the pharmacy um there's plenty of things um that are firstly not clinically tested and and you know so that's the first thing you have to remember is all these things that you buy um or that are advertised are not clinically tested. So they, they may say that they are approved, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they're tested and that they, that they work. So the reason why they say they're approved is because they have quote unquote approved um, herbs or supplements contained within the, within the capsule or within the pill. So um, the reason why they, the reason why they don't work is because you're not getting the, you know, they might have like, for example, Epimidium sagittatum, which is also known as horny goat weed. Um, they might have a small percentage of it and Epimidium sagittatum has been proven in clinical studies to improve erectile health, but in a specific amount um, of dosage. And, you know, these, the, and within conjunction with healthy supportive diet and other types of exercises. So these, uh, these pills or these, you know, magic, uh, supplements or whatever that you might see being advertised or, um, or, you know, cream, sometimes they sell creams, there's sprays. Um, I, I remember a few years ago, there was like nasal delivery technology was a big thing. Um, and the whole idea of that again was because of the, um, because of the fact that when we, when we shoot, um, nasal spray into our nose, we open up the blood vessels. So we, it's called a, a vasodilator. So it dilates the blood vessels in our nose, our nose and our, our penis are actually the two places in our body that we have erectile tissue. And so the theory was if we used, um, you know, this spray in our nose to, to open up our blood vessels, then we could do the same thing, 
uh, with our junk and open up the blood vessels there and allow for more blood flow. Um, that's it's not as simple as that. It sounds like it should be that simple, but it's not. Um, and so that was all taken off the market as well. So um, yeah, the if you really want to if you really want to you know work towards having a better um, sexual health, um, you know you got to you got to look at your natural things like eating your whole foods, um, making sure that you're doing your exercise. You can't you know just like with anything, you can't just rely on taking a magic pill or a potion or something to to increase it. They can definitely supplement it, but you need to have a good solid foundation to begin with. All right. I've actually never heard of the nasal thing before. Uh, that, you know, that's never uh, been anything that's come across my way. Um, another thing here is some people might uh, contribute the uh, decreasing sexual performance or mental health or whatever uh, as they age to lowering testosterone. You know, because um, of course, as we get older, you know, we produce less and less, and so. You know, I've heard of uh, people talk about how, you know, just take testosterone supplements, you know, supplements that will naturally boost your testosterone, um, you know, or vitamins and minerals that will do it. And they think that if they could just get their testosterone up, they'll be back uh, to their vigor. Um, so uh, with that, you know... I don't know. I, I don't know, uh, the, you know. I guess so much the science uh, of that all, but I'm not really seeing uh, the connection that if you take these testosterone boosters, that will increase sexual performance. I get the idea behind it, but you could take a look at, you know, uh, people in their you know 40s, 50s, 60s that are having a more vigorous sex life than people in their 20s uh, at times, and they're not taking any extra testosterone. So uh, what do you uh, know about that, or what can you speak to as far as, you know, uh, testosterone boosters versus, uh, and its effect on sexual performance? Mm, so the first thing I will say is that testosterone doesn't affect your performance to stop like performance per se, it affects your sex drive. It affects your libido. So you can have a very high libido, but, but, but really underperform in the bedroom and have a lot of issues in the bedroom, but that doesn't, doesn't take anything away from the fact that you want to have sex all the time or that your, that your libido is very high. So this is what testosterone is linked to. Testosterone is linked to libido, not to performance. So, by simply taking testosterone, it's not going to affect your performance in any way. It's just going to make you want or desire to have sex more often. So if that's what you're looking for, then um, to increase your libido, then that is, you know, it's definitely a valid, and there's been a lot of empirical research to suggest that to higher testosterone, in, you know, increases sex drive. Um, so that's the first thing I will say. The, um, the second thing I'll say is that testosterone levels vary around people and that there's ranges. So, you know, someone in their twenties might be um, at the very, very low end of the healthy range and someone in their thirties to forties might be in the very high end of their healthy range. And that might have a little bit of crossover. So, um, so there's definitely, there's definitely levels in testosterone that can fluctuate um, regardless of what age you're at. Uh, and so, um, this could be one of the reasons why a person in their thirties or forties has, you know, is more sexually active or wants to be more sexually active than a person in their late twenties or early twenties. Um, we're also seeing a, a decline in the average testosterone in, in men, um, 
over the last couple of decades, we've seen kind of like an average testosterone drop. Um, and this is due to diet and lifestyle factors, um, in my opinion. There's a, uh, there's a, um, there's a lot of research and um, evidence to suggest that the poor diet that we have and the rise in um, the rise in kind of unhealthy foods and um, and I guess like weight gain as well, like you know, um, increased body fat can um, can decrease levels of testosterone. There's just like a lot of there's a lot of factors going into this. So if you're if you're thinking like a testosterone supplement is going to solve all your problems. Um, then um, unfortunately you, you're probably putting all your eggs in one basket. Um, there's also a lot of natural ways to increase your testosterone through exercise, through diet, like the things that I've kind of been talking about already. There's a lot of things that you can do that will increase your testosterone. Um, I mean, with regards to your sexual response as well. So something that will increase your testosterone is, um, is abstaining from ejaculation for seven days there's been a lot of research that shows that after seven days without ejaculating in the male body there'll be a peak in serum testosterone um, so there's there's things that you can do you know with regards to your masturbation and self-pleasuring and sex life that will start to increase your testosterone as well so um yes yeah, so taking this little magic testosterone pill um yeah there's a lot of reasons why it won't have the effect that you're anticipating that it, that it will have in terms of performance Okay. Okay. So uh, that is uh, good for everybody to know. Um, you know, I always get kind of mixed, uh, mixed up, uh, not being a, you know, expert in everything about all these different supplements, you know, that come out, you know, they all make their, you know, claims. Um, so it's good uh, to have someone who knows more about that come on and kind of go through and debunk, you know, fact from fiction you know, uh, regarding all of this. And, uh, you know, there for a moment, I got distracted. I, my middle child had come down. I hope, you know, he didn't, uh, you know, bleed into the audio here, you know, and that's just some of the things that happen uh, when you have children. Sometimes they just <laughs> walk, randomly walk into the room and go, Oh, what are you up to? Okay. <laughs> okay. And so what would you say is the most important advice uh, that you can give uh, to couples or maybe the most important advice that you could give uh, to women? Um, I know you focus more on men, but on what they can do to, you know, help and support, you know, uh, the man in their life, you know, whether or not, you know, um, they're experiencing issues like maybe try and, you know, go through and enact some changes before the issues start? And then maybe what is the most important first step after you start noticing issues and what they can look for to determine whether there's an actual issue with uh, sexual dysfunction versus, you know, it's just a temporary thing like, you know, uh, you know, a temporary um, having to go through uh, overtime at work, you know, and just a little extra stress. Yeah. With the, um, the first thing I'll say is that um, um, as a, as a woman, it isn't your responsibility. It isn't your job to try and fix your partner, to try and fix the man in your life. So um, you can be, you can be supportive and you can be encouraging. Um, 
but yeah, don't don't think it's your responsibility to do any fixing. Um, that's I think that's important for people to take responsibility for their own. Um, well, and I will agree with that. And let's face it, you know, the term fixing, um, I don't think you can really fix somebody. Um, you know, mm. there are going to be who they are. I'm thinking more along the lines of what they can do as a loving partner to, you know, want to help take care of their uh, man, just like their man would want to take care of them. You know, the, you know, back and forth. I'm not, you know, um, I'm sorry if I worded it wrong uh, initially, you know, it's not so much fixing. It's you notice that there's a problem, you know, uh, developing. Uh, You're not sure quite yet, you know, uh, you know, whether it's uh, just, due to extra stress, you know, at work or whether there's more long-term problem of what are the, you know, I guess initial signs that they can look for and what they can do to help encourage, you know, um, you know, I guess not just going through dietary changes, but maybe even encourage them uh, to go to the doctors as, you know, some men may be stubborn about that. Mm, mm. Um, I don't think you, um, I don't think you, you worded it wrong. I just wanted to make that, that distinction, man. Um, and, and make sure that was clear. So, um, the, I think the, like the, the advice I gave before about framing a conversation positively and, and with regards to pleasure, like the, the majority of men enjoy having sex and they enjoy having sex with their partners. Um, it's probably one of the reasons why they're in that, that healthy relationship in the first place. Um, so if you can frame something as, um, if you're able to have a, have a gentle conversation with the man in your life and, and frame that conversation with regards to, um, increasing your sexual connection or wanting to do something, um, that increases your pleasure together, that increases your, um, communication or intimacy or sexuality, however it is that you want to word it, find something that's important to your partner and make that the conversation, make that the, 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 the talking point, make that the crux of the, the communication. The, um, the reason for this is because it'll, it'll align with a value that the guy has in that relationship. So um, many guys, um, they, they value sexual experience. They value the sexual connection that they have with a partner. And if you're framing the conversation of like, look, I really enjoy our sexual connection. I really enjoy our sex life. And I want to make sure that we have a long, healthy, strong sexual connection. Um, that's going to, as much as the guy might be a bit awkward, a bit taboo about talking about this, that's going to align with something that he values. So um, being sure to, to tap into something that your, you know, that your man or your husband or your partner, or your spouse, whatever, um, uh, make sure that you tap into something that he values because um, that'll make him a bit more inclined to want to seek help and want to do something about it and have those conversations. Um, so that's kind of the first piece of advice that I'll give is tap into that. The um, the second piece of advice I would give is um, is be um, be assertive. So there's 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 like this, and I think you used the word a little bit earlier was um, yeah. If someone's a bit more um, sexually aggressive, but I think um, being assertive with regards to what it is that you 
footage that you want. So if you're if you're desiring about something, and I think this comes back into what I was just saying about taking responsibility. So if you're taking responsibility for your pleasure, something I teach couples all the time is your responsibility for your pleasure. You're responsible for your your orgasm, for your sexual experience. So if you're um, as the woman feeling maybe dissatisfied um, or think that there's something that you could be could be experiencing more with regards to your sex life in general, then it's your responsibility to be assertive about that and to ask for it and to say, look, this is what I'm wanting and I, this is what I feel like I'm missing out on. Um, and, you know, my pleasure is important. So is your pleasure. Um, and, you know, what is it that you need from me? What, what is it that, you know, that you need to increase your pleasure? And I'll tell you what it is for me to, in, to increase my pleasure um, and to, to satisfy me a bit more. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, when I tell them this, you know, take responsibility for your own, your own sexual experience, your partner's not responsible for it. They almost think that this sounds selfish. Um, and the, the reframe here is that, you know, it's, it's unfair to put all that pressure on your partner for them to fulfill all your sexual needs and desires. If you haven't told them, if you haven't been upfront about what it is that you're asking about, if you haven't been upfront about what it is that you're looking for, um, then your partner's not going to be able to fulfill those things because they're not a mind reader. Your partner doesn't know what it is that you're, you're thinking. If you haven't had that conversation, you haven't brought up those things with them. So um, be assertive, assertive in what it is that you're looking for sexually, specifically with desire um, and arousal and sexual experience. Um, that would be the other thing that I would say. And that those, those two points can almost sound contradictory, but um, when they're done from, you know, uh, when they're done from the heart, when they're done from a place of love and compassion and support for one another um, within the, you know, within the confines of a healthy relationship, then um, yeah, the, the conversation can go, can go quite well and can be quite healthy. Oh, okay. And while I could probably try and dig in a little bit more about how you develop, you know, the framework and everything, I'm sure that's more of an individualized uh, process. There is not going to be a one size uh, fits all. Uh, so as we uh, start uh, wrapping this up, what do you think uh, would be the most important advice uh, that you can give uh, to both, you know, uh, men and women in a relationship as, as far as the number one thing that they can do, um, you know, immediately that would start producing uh, uh, the results that they're looking for to improve the relationship is it just communicating and framing uh, the communication or is it you know something else uh, that they can do you know uh, to generate a you know our kind of kickstart um, you know improving the relationship if it's just a situation where it's stall I mean uh, stale you know routine um, you know if the guy is an abusive asshole go ahead and you know run but I mean, if mm. it's just a situation of, you know, you're in a routine, you know, uh, he comes home, he sits and watches TV, plays video games, you know, maybe talks to you uh, five, 10 minutes and then off to bed he goes, you know, so what is the, you know, or even if they have kids, you know, of course, kids will dominate a, a lot of your time. Um, so what is uh, probably the best advice that you can give? Uh, for them to be able to reconnect and, you know, start re-energizing their relationship. Well, we'll stay within the vein of um, 
of sexual connection and, and increasing um, you know, sexual compatibility, something that I tell people all the time that are in long-term relationships is to build up their self-pleasuring. So build up their, you know, their practice of loving themselves and, and being able to, to feel pleasure through their own touch and through their own bodies. So I tend to steer clear and, and I shy away from the term masturbation just because of the connotations that it has. And it brings up and conjures up images of like habitual sitting in front of a computer for a guy or sitting on his phone and just, you know, whacking off until he climaxes. Um, we want to, we want to you know, reframe that as self-pleasuring. So, you know, take time um, once a week or once every couple of days, even to, um, to you know stimulate your genitals but also to you know touch the rest of your body to just you know build up that sexual arousal that sexual libido again there's a, a cliche you lose it you know if you don't um use it you lose it you know so lose it or lo lose it or use it um minting my words this morning but if you are you know and there's a lot of truth to that if you're not you know consciously continuously engaging with your own libido and your own sexual energy and your own arousal then um when it comes to trying to stimulate something with a partner or trying to get some sexual chemistry going with a partner, if, if you've got nothing there to give, then, you know, if you've, you've stoked no fire, you've cultivated no sexual arousal, then there's not going to be much going on with, with your partner. You know, you've got to take responsibility for your own, um, for your own sexuality, your own sexual energy or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's not, it's not your partner's responsibility to bring that out of you. Um, it's your responsibility to have it. So, um, so both you and your partner take time, you know, at least once a week to do some self-pleasuring, to, to step away from each other, to step away from the kids. You know, it doesn't have to be at the same time. It can be, you know, you can be like, look, look, honey, I'm doing my self-pleasuring tonight. You know, I just need half an hour or whatever just to um, engage with my body again, just feel into the experience that I'm having. You know, don't use a, don't use a screen to look at any porn. Don't use a, you know, don't use a toy or a or a vibrator or anything. Just use um, use your own your own touch and your own um, your own body and your own space and your own breath just to come back to that experience of pleasure in your body. Um, and if you start, both of you start doing that on a regular basis, tapping into your own experience of pleasure, then when you come together, firstly you've got a you've got a starting point from like, Oh my God, look, this is what I really like. This is what I really enjoy. How about you touch me this way? How about you do this to me this way? Um, and then vice versa. And that, and it starts to build from there. So that's the piece of advice that I give for people that are in long-term relationships that are feeling stale and stagnant. There's nothing wrong with taking a bit of time to self pleasure. There's nothing wrong when you're in a sexual relationship with someone else to masturbate and take a bit of time for you. Okay. And uh, if someone wanted to reach out to you, um, whether it was, you know, uh, coaching or, you know, just try and learn more about you, um, I don't know whether you do international coaching or international uh, help, but if they did want to reach out to you, uh, what's the best way for them to contact you? The two best ways to get in touch with me are via my uh, website, which is www.karmawellnessperth.com. That's my business, Karma Wellness. And I'm in Perth, Western Australia. And then the other way would be through my Instagram, which is where I share all of my stuff. And that's at camfraser400. That's C-A-M-F-R-A-S-E-R. And then the number 400. Those are the two best ways. Okay. 
Well, I'd like to thank you so much uh, for coming on to the show. I uh, hope to have you back sometime and, you know, have a good one. Amazing, man. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Keep on doing the good work. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I know I did. It took a little bit of time to get everything up and going. Uh, there was a little bit of technical difficulties in the beginning, but we were able to get it all figured out. So check out the podcast notes uh, below if you want to learn more about how you can connect with Cam. And also, if you want to be a guest on the show, either to share your success stories, uh, the problems you are encountering uh, and getting some advice, as well as being able to come on and share some of your expertise, go ahead and check out sexmancers.com. Fill out the forms on the Contact on Me page or be a guest on the show. And we'll go ahead, we'll connect, and we'll set up a time uh, for you to come on and you know, let others hear uh, what you have to say. So I'd like to thank you so much uh, for your time and attention today, and I'll be back again soon.